Today's podcast finds us in the book of Jonah. Jonah, the first chapter. Um, Jonah is a fascinating book. It's a short little book with a lot of powerful truths in it. And uh, we're going to get started reading it. But before we do, um, there's a couple different ways that um, you could outline the book. You can make your own outline, of course, if you're taking your own notes. Um, but one of the things that I find fascinating, uh, and you find this a lot um, in Hebrew poetry, you find this throughout the Old Testament. This is not the only place it occurs, but there's what's called a parallel outline of Jonah that you could follow. The best way to think of that would be to think of Jonah as having three themes, and each one of those three themes can be broken up into two parts. And I'll explain what I mean. Um, theme number one would be Jonah's commissioning by God. Um, and the first part of that happens. So think of this as 1A. Jonah is commissioned by God, chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. And then again it happens. This would be theme 1B, but it happens later on in the book, chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. So theme number 1, Jonah's commissioning, 1A, chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, and 1B, uh, chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. Uh, theme number 2, the second theme would be Jonah and the pagans, or Jonah and those who worship false gods. You see this in chapter 1, verses 4 through 16, and again uh, in chapter 3, verses 3 through 10. In the uh, first part of that, what would be theme number 2a, it's Jonah and the pagan sailors, and then uh, 2b, Jonah and the pagan Ninevites. So our third theme would be Jonah and his prayer time, or Jonah's prayer, however you want to phrase it. Um, so theme number three, A, is his prayer that we see in chapter one. Uh, and I'm actually going to start it in one verse 17 uh, through chapter two, verse 10. And then he prays again at the end of the book, chapter four, verses one through four. And again, there's a contrast there. The first prayer, he's grateful and pious and thankful. And then in the second prayer, he's a little angry and resentful. So you have this, uh, again, theme one, commissioning in two parts, 1A and 1B. Theme number two, Jonah and the pagans. Um, and that's um, 2A and 2B. Uh, and then the third theme, Jonah's prayer, 2A, or I'm sorry, 3A and 3B. And then what happens a lot of times in, uh, with a parallel outline uh, is that there'll be a period at the end of the sentence, so to speak, or a capstone or a conclusion. There's one final point that the writer wants to communicate. And it's, in this case, it's going to be point number four, but 
it doesn't have a part A and a part B. It's just a standalone point. And it is Yahweh's lesson for Jonah. And that begins in chapter 4, verses 5 through 11. That is Yahweh's lesson for Jonah. So again, just one way that you could outline it. Um, and that is the way the book naturally lends itself because it was actually written that way. Um, some other observations before we get into the actual reading of Jonah chapter 1. Um, there are some parallel uh, distinctives between the nation of Israel and Jonah as a person. So, uh, I'm going to go through these really kind of quickly, but you'll get the point. Um, hopefully, you'll get the point. Israel uh, and Jonah, things that they have in common, if you want to think of it that way. Um, number one, Israel and Jonah are called by God. Number one, called by God. Number two, Israel and Jonah are jealous for God's favor. Jealous for God's favor. Number three, Israel and Jonah are both disobedient. And we have the record of Israel's disobedience throughout the Old Testament. We have the record of Jonah's disobedience here. Number four, Israel was cast into the world, yet not absorbed by the other nations. What do I mean by that? In 70 AD, the fall of Jerusalem, Israel is scattered throughout the world, um, and completely um, all, uh, destroyed as a geographical, physical nation. They no longer have boundaries. They no longer have a government. Um, all the things that make a nation what a nation is. Yet, um, the displaced Israelites, even to this day, never lost the national identity that they felt as Israelites. So, <clears throat> excuse me, so when we say that they were cast out into the world but not absorbed by other nations, that's what we mean. Just as Jonah was cast into the sea and swallowed by a great fish, he was not absorbed or digested, if you will, by that great fish. Number five, Israel at least in some regard in modern times, has been placed back in their land. Now they have a nation again. They have boundaries. They have all the things that make up a geographical, physical location for a country. And much the same way, Jonah was placed on dry land. He was placed on the land that God called him to go proclaim the truth. In that land. Number six, <clears throat> God's people um, obey and ultimately they obey. They may start off with disobedience, but they always come around and obey and they proclaim the truth. Just as Jonah, as an individual, um, obeyed ultimately and ended up proclaiming God's truth. So, Again, just some things to look at as we go through the book of Jonah. So now I'm going to read chapter 1, starting with verse 1. 
and we're going to read the entire chapter. So, now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. I hope I don't have to say Tarshish again. (laughs) But the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship was about to be broken up. Then the mariners were afraid, and every man cried out to his God, and they threw the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten the load. But Jonah had gone down to the lowest parts of the ship and lain down and was fast asleep. So the captain came to him and said, What do you mean, sleeper? Arise, call on your God. Perhaps your God will consider us so that we may not perish. And they said to one another, Come, let us cast lots, that we may know for whose cause this trouble has come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, Please tell us for whose cause is this trouble upon us. What is your occupation, and where do you come from? What is your country, and of what people are you? So he said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, Why have you done this? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord because he had told them, Then they said to him, What shall we do to you that the sea may be calm for us? For the sea was growing more tempestuous. And he said to them, Pick me up and throw me into the sea. Then the sea will become calm for you. For I know that this great tempest is because of me. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to the land, but they could not. For the sea continued to grow more tempestuous against them. Therefore they cried out to the Lord and said, We pray, O Lord, please do not let us perish for this man's life, and do not charge us with innocent blood, for you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah and threw him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice to the Lord and took vows. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. Pretty amazing story there that we find. And I'm going to address some of those amazing features of the story, things that people find hard to believe. But before we do, as a Christian, we look at this, And I wonder, is there a lesson here for us? I believe there is. I believe it's important for all of us who call ourselves Christians. Because we know, if we're honest with ourselves, that even as a Christian, we sometimes struggle to do the right thing. We sometimes find it hard to be faithful, to be obedient. Now, there's only four chapters in this book. Um, I believe that 
each chapter uh, has a lot of powerful truth packed into each individual chapter, uh, but the book itself, I think, is also uh, equally powerful. I think there is a main theme of each chapter that I want to bring out to us. You know, it's encouraging for me to see that even God's prophets dealt with struggles. Even God's prophets sometimes um, had their imperfections. In fact, they all had their imperfections. Um, That's one of the things I love about the Bible is you get to see the blemishes. You get to see the failures of these men. Um, And yet you see God's plan moving forward. You see his grace in their life. And it lets you know that even if you've made mistakes, even if you've been rebellious against God, um, you can still um, receive his love and forgiveness. And you can still do what he's called you to do. If God can use those men and women in the Bible who had their failures, um, then God can certainly use you. Whatever sin you've committed, whatever thing you've done wrong, it's not so great that God still can't use you. So with each chapter, like I said, I'm going to have a theme, a main takeaway. And the main takeaway I want you to get out of chapter one is very simple. And here it is. When God calls you to do something, do not run from God's call. Jonah did. And he was a disobedient prophet. But in the end, he was still a prophet. So just do yourself a favor and don't run. (laughs) So verses 1 through 5, we're going to take a look at that. And I do want to start off here by addressing something. Um, You know, there's two things that happen here that I want to draw our attention to right in the very first two verses. And that is, God speaks, and God speaks to Jonah, who is a real person. And you might be reading this or listening to this podcast, and you're thinking, uh, okay, well, duh, I mean, that's what it says. Well, the reason I bring it up is because there are scholars, there are uh, those who would consider themselves to be spiritual, even Christians, Uh, very liberal in their view of Scripture, and they do not believe that it is the inspired Word of God. Um, And so they'll say things like, um, you know, this is a parable, or this is some kind of Jewish folk tale, folklore, that kind of uh, made its way into the canon of Scripture, but it can't possibly be true, or it's some kind of an illustration, or... Uh, you know, an allegory or something along those lines, anything but the truth. They'll even go as far as to say that it was an actual fairy tale. Um, But I have news for you. Um, Nowhere in Scripture do we read um, of God um, actually speaking to and commanding a fake person. Every time God speaks... In Scripture, he's speaking to someone. Now, certainly there are places in the Bible where there are parables. Um, And Jesus makes it abundantly clear when he is giving uh, teaching in the form of a parable. But notice what we have here. Jonah had a father. I have a hard time pronouncing his name. Uh, 
but it was Amatei. Um, and uh, a fake person doesn't have a father listed in Scripture. Um, God assigns Jonah a specific task. Um, and nowhere in Scripture do you see something like a parable or a metaphor where God actually gives them a specific task. So what am I saying? I'm saying that it's not a fairy tale, it's not a parable, it's not a metaphor, that these are real events, that they happen to a real man. And for those of us who believe that God is the creator of all things, that he is, as Jonah says here, the God of the heavens, who is also the God of the sea and the God of the land, in other words, he's the God over all creation, then he can do with his creation whatever he chooses to do. In fact, I would argue that the things that make miraculous things that miraculous is that they fall outside the boundaries of what we would see as normal behavior or normal um, conditions or situations. If something operates outside of that, it must be what we would call miraculous. And our God, who created all things, lives and dwells and works and moves in a miraculous environment. He is God. And so once you begin to think of things in those terms and you come at it with that presupposition that this is the God of the Bible, the God of all creation, what we read about here is not so outlandish. It is supernatural. It is different. Um, it is miraculous because God is making a point. God is illustrating something here. And it is a beautiful thing to see. We read that Jonah fled from the presence of the Lord. What it actually means in the Hebrew mindset, he was running from the face of God. What does that mean? It means he doesn't want to be seen by God. He doesn't want to see God and he doesn't want God to see him. He runs from God and the calling that God had placed on him. And I want you to notice how often it is that Jonah goes down. You know, uh, in the Old Testament, anytime that you are going to the city of Jerusalem or you're moving toward God, you move up. You go up to Jerusalem. And anytime you are moving away from God or you are moving away from Jerusalem, you go down to the other city. It's interesting. Here in verse 3, we see that Jonah goes down to Joppa. In verse 3, again, he goes down into the ship. He's totally unaware of what's going on in verse 5. Why? Because he had gone down into uh, the lower area of the ship below deck so that he could get some sleep. And I think this speaks to Jonah's lack of concern, lack of care for the call that God has placed on him. Um, notice here that we have God causing a great wind to uh, uh, be thrown at the sea. And it's the same word there, um, God hurling a great wind at the sea. It's the same word for the sailors throwing the cargo overboard and ultimately the same word being used there for Jonah in verse 15 being thrown overboard. 
There's a great illustration here, and that is, in my view, when I look at this, I see that God is causing a storm, and he's dealing with Jonah. And these men are trying their best to hurl back, to throw back toward God. And friend, let me just assure you that when God is the one causing the storm, you can struggle with all your strength and with all your might, but you're not going to beat God. God is the one who controls the storm, and your best effort is not going to fix things. There's only one who can fix things. He's the one who holds it all in the palm of his hand. And that is the Lord God of the Bible that we read about in scriptures. Um, uh, I'm going to stop it here. We're at 21 minutes. Um, and we're going to pick it up in our next uh, podcast. We're probably going to have three parts to this first chapter. It was a little bit of a long introduction this time, and we did get about uh, five verses into it, but um, that's okay. We're going to pick it up at verse 6 in our next podcast and continue on. If you want to read ahead, read the entire book of Jonah. It's a fast read. It won't take you very long at all. And I do hope that this podcast is a blessing to you, that it encourages you, dear Christian, to continue to walk in forgiveness, continue to do what God has called you to do. And if you are struggling and you are wanting to be disobedient, take a lesson from Jonah here and submit to the will of your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. With that being said, we'll catch you on the next podcast. God bless you.